People say the Premier League is impossible to predict, but this podcast is here to help. We're working with InfoGoal to take a look at the numbers for each and every one of the Premier League fixtures this season. If you're looking to find value in the markets, data can be the key. Welcome to Premier League Insights. There's even more Premier League action coming your way this evening as game week 34 gets underway with three games. The market's alive at Pinnacle and it's time to analyse the fixtures and try and find any value that's on offer. Back again with me is Jake Osgothorpe from InfoGoal to share some of his insight and help inform your predictions. Hello, Jake. Hi, Ben. How are we doing? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Good to be starting the week off with some some soccer and we'll be breaking this one up a little bit because we're obviously stretched out over three days, I think it is, but I'm excited to get going. Are you? Yeah, yeah, excited to get going. It's non-stop at the minute, isn't it? Yeah, let's. Uh, we won't waste any time. We'll jump straight into our first game because we got Crystal Palace versus Chelsea, and Crystal Palace have, have probably been one of the most consistently average teams I can I can remember in a in a single Premier League season. I think they had a a brief stint threatened by relegation, a couple of games where there was some strange talk about maybe pushing for Europe, but outside of that, they've they've bounced around kind of mid table, a little bit lower for the majority of the season. They've really struggled for goals and, and have underperformed their XG going forward, but they haven't conceded that many thanks to overperforming XG at the back. So they're a team that that fall into that category of not really playing for much now. It's, it's kind of maybe meandering towards kind of the end of the season. Chelsea are the complete opposite in terms of what they're playing for. They've obviously got the top four, which is very close at the moment. They can't afford any kind of slip-ups. They, they bounced back from a, a disappointing 3-2 loss against West Ham with that impressive 3-0 win against Watford. Thoroughly deserved after creating 2.49 XG and limiting Watford to just 0.58. They're one point off Leicester in third and I've got to be honest, my guess is they'll probably end up clinching that third spot and we'll get on to what, hap- what might happen with Leicester later on. Um, they're still a way off Manchester City and Liverpool but they are a very good team. They've done especially well on the road this season with their home and away splits. The market's pretty heavy on them here. No surprise, really. They're they're 1.469, which equates to around a 65% chance of the win. Palace are fairly big outsiders despite being at home because they're available at 8.22, which which is around a 13% chance. And you've got in this, it's it's interesting because it's one of the most entertaining sides in the league in Chelsea versus one of the least entertaining sides in the league against Palace. And I think betters almost think they're going to balance each other out because we've got the 2.5 goals mark and it's it's pretty much evenly split at 50-50 but what are your thoughts on this game? Yeah I think it's a really interesting game this I mean um, if you know if if Chelsea hadn't gone to uh, West Ham and lost then I think this would be or Chelsea would even be much shorter than the price that they currently are um, but I think that the, the especially looking at it from um, you know the season long Palace and West Ham have got quite a few similarities in the way that they play. Um, they're both quite very quick on the counter-attack um, and they both like to play more on the uh, on the back foot to spring forward. And they're also very dominant from set pieces, which obviously West Ham had quite a lot of success um, against Chelsea from. So I think that, that makes this a really intriguing game. Um, obviously, Crystal Palace not in the best of form recently. Um, three straight defeats without a goal. Uh, they were pretty poor against both Leicester and Liverpool. Um, two teams, obviously, that are that are currently in the top four. Chelsea are in the top four as well, um, but those are both away from home. And I do fancy them to put up a bit more of a, a of a well, at least at least put up a better performance and a better display um, at Selhurst Park. Um, one of the main things that you've just said there that, that Crystal Palace have 
they've fallen down the table a little bit, but you know where they've fallen to is actually a fair reflection of of, of where the performances suggest they should be. So they're, they're now fourteenth in the table. Like, like I said, after briefly flirting with a possibility of Europe, um, but they've now you know the fifteenth in our XG table. So they're in, pretty much in line with where we expect them to be uh, based on their performances over the course of the season. Uh, process wise, uh, they've been pretty vulnerable defensively. I know they've conceded um, only a few goals. Uh, they've got one of the better defensive records in the league according to goals conceded. Um, yeah, they've allowed just just the 40 goals, which is bettered by only Wolves, Man City, Man United, Sheffield United, Leicester and Liverpool. So they're, they're seemingly pretty tight at the back. But like you pointed out rightly there, that they've massively overperformed around 15 goal overperformance um, in defence. Most of that can be um, attributed to the goalkeeper Vicente Guaita, who, who's been excellent this season and, and He's found himself in our team of the week quite often, so um, they've got that got him to thank for for their decent defensive return at this stage. But like I said, they're, they're pre, they've been vulnerable from an XG perspective. They've allowed plenty of good chances, one point six four expected goals against per game, um, and and like I said, their attacking numbers are very underwhelming, one point zero three expected goals four per game. But they do pose some threats um, on counter attack and, and by a set pieces, which is two two areas where we have seen Chelsea um, struggle. This season, um, I mean, most recently, like I said, the West Ham game where I think West Ham scored two on the counter-attack and one from uh, a set-piece. So th- there is some hope for Crystal Palace in this game. As for Chelsea, uh, they got a big win against Watford. It was a very um, fair result. It was, a, it was a fully deserved victory. 2.49 expected goals to, to 0.58. So, you know, the 3-0 did not flatter them one bit. They were they were really impressive in that game and bounced back or needed to bounce back Um given the form of the teams around them. So it was a big win. Um, both Leicester and Manchester United played before them as well. Uh, both had won. So Chelsea actually went into that game sitting fifth in the table. So there's added pressure. So they deserve extra credit for that. Um, but, you know, like you've said, they, they're in a very good position to to potentially overtake um, Leicester this week, given the fact that Leicester have got a tougher game than them um, on Tuesday as well. So... Big opportunity for Chelsea. Um, they have been the third best team in the Premier League pretty much all season long, according to XG. Um, they're rightly in the top four. The process has been excellent. They've averaged over two, two expected goals per game and allowed just 1.19 expected goals against per game. So they've been really, really impressive all season long. Um, but they have shown vulnerabilities on the road. And I know that a lot of people will look at the fact that they are one of the better away teams in the league, according to the points that they picked up. They picked up 27 points from 16 games, which is the third most in the league. But their actual process has, has been relatively poor um, on the road. In terms of expected goal difference, they, there are six teams above them in that uh, in the table when you sort it by expected goal difference away from home. So their, their away performances um, not quite justifying their away points tally. Uh, and that means that they are, they are much more vulnerable away from home. So the, league, the season average is 1.2 expected goals against per game. Away from home, that rises to 1.53. Uh, you know, and the vulnerabilities were pretty evident against West Ham last midweek. So they can't take the foot off the gas, uh, Chelsea. We're expecting them to have a go at Crystal Palace. It's the only way you're going to create. They're going to have the majority of the ball. Um, but I do feel that Crystal Palace can hurt them on, on the counter-attack. And I know you said that the, the overs uh, and the unders is pretty much evenly split at two and a half. Um, the Infocom model goes 54% chance of over two and a half. So there's decent enough value in, in backing the overs are around even money. Um, and I do think that we could see quite an entertaining game. 
you only have to look at some of Chelsea's recent results. Uh, even since the break, every single one of their games has gone over two and a half in the Premier League. So, um, you know, they create plenty of chances. They're also very vulnerable. Crystal Palace, even if they don't score, there's a chance that, that, that they could just crumble as they did against Liverpool and Leicester, um, conceding loads of good chances. So I think overs is, is a pretty sensible bet in this one. In terms of the other markets, uh, both teams to score is, is actually odds against on the market, which I think is quite interesting. That The model's got this one pretty much a 50-50 split for both teams to score. So if you were looking at, at the BTTS, there is a little bit of value on offering back in yes. Um, and then the 1x2, like you said, Chelsea are pretty short enough at, at, at the prices, 66% on the market. The model goes at 61%. So we're not as confident on the Chelsea win um, and there isn't too much value there. But I'd say the main play in this one is, is to get on side with the overs uh, around even money. Yeah, and I think if anyone fancies following trends, yeah, Chelsea debuting their new home shirt against West Ham, conceded three, then scored three against Watford. They're wearing a new away shirt tonight. So <laughs> let's see what happens. Um on a serious note, though, with with Crystal Palace, it's it's really interesting. I saw a, a stat. It's clear how how unlucky they've been going forward. But I mean, there's there's not a great deal there, even with the process that we've seen. Um, and I think it was BT put out a stat about Sorlot, the guy who's on loan from Palace in in Turkey. I think he's scored as he he scored twenty nine this season by himself, and they've scored twenty eight as a team. And it's Obviously, quite a staggering stat, but I, where does it kind of go wrong for Palace? Do you think going forward? I know Zaha's had a, had a bit of trouble in and out of the team. You also have to wonder if they'd have let him go, just how much trouble they they would be in. But I mean, Benteke doesn't seem to be firing at all. Obviously, they they seem to be reliant on on Jordan Ayew going forward. So, can you kind of pinpoint where the issues are for them? Um, I I think it's quite difficult to put your finger on it, really, because they have. Like you said, it's it's not the actual goal scoring that they're, they're struggling with. They're not creating the chances to be able to score the goals. So even if even if Soloth, who has been prolific over in Turkey, does come into the team, he probably wouldn't score too many goals because Crystal Palace just aren't generating enough high quality chances. Uh, I mean, this season they've averaged just one point zero three expected goals for per game, and that is the lowest in the Premier League. So, in in terms of expected goals, they are the worst attacking team in the Premier League. Compare that to last season, where they averaged uh, 1.33 expected goals per game. Um, you know, you're seeing a pretty significant drop off of around 0.3 of an expected goal uh, per game, and that that almost can, can equate to one big chance if you wanted to per game. So there, there's definitely been a decrease uh, and a decline in their in their attacking process. I don't know if that's something to do with the uh, the the brand of football that they're playing there, or, or the defensive minded. Setup of Roy Hodgson, where he's playing obviously three defensive-minded midfielders behind a two wingers and a, and a striker. Uh, whether he needs to introduce a four-two-three-one and, and get one of those midfielders a bit more advanced or not, yeah, it's definitely something that needs to happen. But I just think that, that given the um, you know the defensive strengths that they have got, they've got a good goalkeeper, they've got some defenders there that do put the body on the line and, and get blocks on shots, which does help from an XG two perspective. I think they're playing to their strengths, really, and, and sitting back and then trying to exploit teams on the counter-attack. And they have been able to do that um, in some games this season. But what has tend to be the, the case with Crystal Palace is that they've been scoring a goal um, early and then shutting up shop and then um, you know basically easing to a 1-0 or a 2-0 win, as we saw against Bournemouth on the first game back, where they scored two quick-fire goals in the first half and then basically just didn't bother attacking for the re- remainder of the game and just contained Bournemouth pretty well um, that was also the case in, in the, the last game before lockdown which was a, a 1-0 win over Watford where they scored and basically just shut up shop and I think that that's, that sort of mentality means that 
expected goals data doesn't really do them too much justice because um, they don't really go for a second or a third and leave themselves exposed. So in you know in some cases you can get some lopsided XG figures uh, against Crystal Palace where they probably scored early, sat in, rode the storm out a little bit uh, and probably did get a little bit lucky. But game effects has to come into that. And I think that, like I said, Crystal Palace do tend to take the lead. Um, and, you know, when they do, it's very rare that they, they concede a goal, if not um, concede two. So, uh, they, yeah, they're, they're not really an entertaining team to watch. They don't create bundles of chances left and right. Um, they do just about enough to scrape by. And I think that that'll be good enough um, in the Premier League obviously this season they're going to stay up, but next season it could be a little bit of an issue if they don't start um, improving that attacking process. Right, on to Watford versus Norwich, and you talk about staying in the Premier League. Two teams here that are obviously right in the thick of it. It's a it's a really big match in that relegation dogfight. Not not so much to to give Norwich a chance. I think that's that that race is run, but more so for Watford, because on on paper it's it's probably the easiest game of the season for them and the best chance they're going to get a win. Um, and if they do obviously get three points, then the pressure is really on Aston Villa and Bournemouth to go and do the same. Um, Watford, are, I mean, they're probably the best team sort of in the mix down there. And they've been a bit unfortunate this season. They they look to have recovered under Nigel Pearson. I mean, ending, I think they ended just before lockdown with that amazing 3-0 win against Liverpool. However, since the return, they've they've drawn one, lost three, they're averaging under one expected goals four per game in that period. The the defensive process in that time hasn't been too bad, an average of 1.44 expected goals. But obviously, if you're down the bottom there, you need to be scoring goals to win. And it's 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 looking difficult for them. And and, and if they, they don't get a win here, they could really be in, be in big trouble. Um, Norwich, on the other hand, they were poor before the break. They've been even worse since. Um, four league games, nine goals conceded, not a single goal scored. It doesn't really get much worse than that. Um, 0.87 expected goals has been their best performance in a single game. And I think that really sums it up for them this season. Um, in terms of the odds, Watford's, Watford are 1.653, giving them a 58% chance of, of getting a crucial three points. While Norwich are, are at 5.70, so that gives them an 18% chance to win. No surprise to see betters edging towards the under 2.5 goals here. It is pretty close, but like I said, the, the stats don't really bode well for either of these two teams. But but where does InfoGoal think the value is for this one? It's a really important game, this one, um, as, you, as you've highlighted there. Uh, defeat for Norwich, likely see them all but relegated. Um, obviously, given the, the, the runs that, that West Ham, I mean, I say run, West Ham, but they won one, drawn one the last two matches, but that, that is enough of a run really to pull themselves um, clear. If, if Watford beat Norwich here, then I think the gap would move from seven to 10 points to safety. So pretty big game for Norwich if they want to have any chance of surviving. As for Watford, it's a huge opportunity for them. Um, you know, Norwich are seemingly the whipping boys at the minute. Everyone's beating them. Um, and yeah, it really is a big game for them if they want to, to survive this season, especially given the fact that Aston Villa play Manchester United later in the week uh, and Bournemouth actually play Tottenham. So really big opportunity for Watford to to pull themselves clear. Um, yeah, Watford were pretty poor, I thought, against Chelsea, uh, defensively all over the place. Um, and, you know, that, that defeat means they've won just one of the last 11 Premier League games. So <clears throat> there was a massive upturn in results uh, and performances straight, you know, immediately after Pearson came in. I think it was 
five wins in six games. But since then, one win in 11. So it really has... Um, Really hasn't been good viewing from a Watford perspective, but they've they've improved undoubtedly since Pearson's arrival. They, they sit 12th in our XG table since he was appointed as manager, um, and you know they've been especially impressive at Vicarage Road. They've averaged 1.77 expected goals for and 1.36 against um, in in the time that Pearson's been in charge, and that is actually uh, the eighth best home process in that time period as well. So better than the likes of uh, Arsenal. Tottenham, uh, Leicester. So they're, they're a really strong home team. Uh, that's the best chance of getting points really from now to the end of the season is, is at home. Um, but they do need to improve on recent performances. Uh, they, they were pretty poor against Southampton. I think the, the, the 3-1 scoreline did flatter uh, the Saints a little bit in that one. Uh, they were right to just 1.19 expected goals to Watford's 0.78. So it wasn't really a 3-1 game. But they, um, like you said, attacking-wise, they really need to uh, book the trends up a little bit and, and create a few more better chances that like they did against Leicester when you wrapped up nearly 1.7 expected goals. So um, they really need to create plenty more chances. Um, and this is a good opportunity for them against a Norwich team that are one of the weakest defensive teams in the league. Um, they're looking more doomed as the games go by on Norwich. Defeats at home to Brighton, being the fourth in four games since the break. Uh, another game in which they failed to score. In fact, Norwich have only scored in one of the last nine Premier League games, which... Um, is a pretty shocking run of form, um, and you know they've lost seven of those games as well. So really uh, desperate times for Daniel Fark's side. Uh, rightly in the bottom three according to expected goals, the defense has been poor all season, as I mentioned, one point eight five expected goals against per game. Um, but you know although they've not scored regularly this season, they do offer a greater attacking threat than their actual goals tally would suggest. So they've scored twenty five times. This season, um, expected goals to suggest that they should have scored around 10 more uh, at 35.3. So um, it, it is looking bleak for Norwich. And, you know, I don't really w- want to say it, but they're going down with a whimper, really. Uh, at some point, they've got to go open up and have a go, go down swinging. That's the only place, the, the only way you're possibly going to get a result. Um, and th- this is a really good place for, to start for Norwich, given that it's the team that, that is in direct competition in seven teams. So if they win this game, all of a sudden, the gap's four points, and then you know it starts looking a little bit more manageable. But um, you know, from a betting perspective, I think Watford are a bit too short for me in this one, given what they've shown recently. Fifty-eight percent on the market. We've got them at fifty-two percent. Um, the goals line, you said, it, it is trending towards the unders. The, the model's pretty much sat on the fence with this one: fifty-fifty over and under. So uh, there is a small amount of value in getting on side with the overs. Um, but for me, the, the the best bet in this one is looking at the both teams to score angle. Where, um, although, like I said, Norwich haven't hit the net uh, in seven of the last nine Premier League games, they uh, they're playing against a Watford team who are really coughing up decent chances on a regular basis at the minute, and they have been in that eleven game um, period. So, I think that there's a chance that Norwich could get on the score sheet. I think Watford will breach Norwich at least once. So, I think both teams to score is the way I'd play this one. It's around 50%, 51% on the market. We go 53%. So both teams score for me is the best play in this one, but it is pretty crucial game for both at the bottom. I mean, one of the thing that, things that I'm just kind of looking back at the the fixtures we've had since the, the return after COVID, and it's it's interesting to see. I was just kind of writing down draw, loss, win, and I think between the, the four or five teams down the bottom, I think West Ham are the only team to actually win a game I think 
Watford have drawn a couple, one maybe, and I think Aston Villa got a draw. But it's, I mean, I know these are teams down the bottom of the table. They're not the best teams in the league, but it's it's surprising that we're so much on the line. They've just really struggled for performances since the the return. And is there anything do you think to to kind of read into that? I mean, it's it seems like they're playing even worse than before, and and no one really wants to avoid relegation. What what's going on? Do you think? Yeah, um, that is it's a pretty good observation. I think if, if you know, obviously you look at Brighton; they've picked up two wins um, and a draw since their season restarted. They've pulled themselves well clear. West Ham are the only other team in the bottom five to have picked up a win um, since the restart. So it is pretty damning, really, for those teams that are already down there. It just shows you how poor they actually are. I think that one of the things that has to be factored into this is that the the teams at the bottom usually have the one of the worst or the worst squads in the in the Premier League in terms of quality and numbers. So now that we've got a five sub rule introduced, I think that that is having a, a pretty big impact, especially when the lesser teams are playing the better teams because the better teams are bringing on five subs of extremely high quality compared to the lesser teams bringing on five clubs of uh, five subs that perhaps aren't up to the standard of the, the people that they're replacing. So. When it comes to the, um, you know, the later in the games and, and you've got fresh legs coming on, uh, I think that, you know, one example, obviously you could talk about Manchester City, they're in a different level squad-wise, but they, they played a game the other day and they had like Laporte, um, De Bruyne, Aguero, like Foden on the bench. Um, and, you, you know, it is quite demoralising really when you're, you know, it's, for example, if you're holding your own at nil-nil and then 70 minutes to bring on three subs that are all, international high quality players it is a little bit demoralizing and I think the other one they've introduced is obviously the drinks break which um, is I think it's 22 minutes in halfway through the first half halfway through the second half I think that allows the the better teams and the better coaches to actually um, get messages across to fight like they may have spotted patterns of, of ways to potentially break down opposition um, and and the better coaches spot those and, and can exploit those um, you know those issues that they've, that they've seen I think though that sort of comes into it as well um, a lot of it has gone against the, the less the lesser likes um, but you know it could have been a lot worse if we'd have played at a neutral venue then I think it would have been a lot worse for these sides but uh, they've got the home field advantage none of them have put that to use yet which is is a bit of a surprise but I, I, you know one of the other arguments you have to say is that they've all had pretty tough schedules um, in terms of the teams that they've played I mean, Bournemouth, apart from the, the Crystal Palace game, they've played Wolves um, and, and Manchester United. Aston Villa have played Liverpool. They've played Wolves. They've played Chelsea, played Sheffield United. Watford have played Leicester. They've played Chelsea. So none of the teams down there have had, um, you know, a kind run of fixtures, if you like. So um, there's a lot of factors going into it. But at the end of the day, what, what we've seen is that the, the, the trends pre-break have continued. So the, the three or four or five teams that were down there, um, especially the three in the bottom, uh, you know, in the relegation zone, they were deserving of those places in the relegation zone according to expected goals, and and that hasn't changed post break. Um, I know there's a lot of talk that perhaps it could have done with um, managers having, you know, three months to to employ new ideas uh, onto the team and get players that perhaps sign in January more um, accommodated into the into the side, but that doesn't really seem to have made any sort of impact into the team's fortunes or, or their actual performances. All three of the teams in the relegation zone have been 
pretty poor in all all of the matches since the restart. So it's looking bleak for them. And and like I said, they've all got pretty um, pretty tough games this week as well. Yeah, I mean, I must admit, I didn't didn't look at the the strength of schedule, and I know from following West Ham particularly that their their schedule kind of eases up a little bit in the coming weeks, as does Watford. So I mean, it's probably the next the next two weeks are really going to tell with those important fixtures against each other, and we'll we'll have to see what happens. Our final game for for this episode is Arsenal versus Leicester, and credit where credit's due, three good results on the spin for Arsenal after. Uh, a pretty poor season, a couple of poor games back to action. They've also got three clean sheets in a row, which is, I mean, it's almost unheard of for a team that has struggled so much at the back. And while the, the XG for, for their games suggests that all, all of the games probably should have been a bit closer, they, these are far from lucky wins for Arsenal. They obviously had a an important win in the Cup as well in between those, those league games as well. Um, I'm not going to suggest or go as far to suggest that they could reach the top four. And I know you're not going to like the idea of this, but six points to Chelsea in fourth with, with five games to go. I mean, it doesn't seem too ridiculous. And I'm sure there's there's plenty of Arsenal fans that will be, be talking up their chances of Champions League as well. Um, Leicester are one of those teams who currently occupy a top four spot as they sit in third. We've talked a bit recently about how they've they pretty badly tanked since Christmas, but they got a deserved win at the weekend against Crystal Palace. And I mean, they kind of showed signs of the the team that impressed so much in the first half of the season. And I think we do also have to caveat with the, the that with the fact that it's a, a pretty poor Palace team that we've talked about that that aren't very good going forward. But I I alluded to this earlier. I actually don't think Leicester are going to end up in the top four anymore. Obviously, I don't think Arsenal will be one of the teams to replace them, but a win for Arsenal here will will make the last few games of the season very interesting for both of these two teams. The market is fairly split with Arsenal at 2.36, giving them a 41% chance of the win. Leicester around a 31% chance with odds of 3.09 and the draw is available at 3.53, which is about a 28% chance. And I mean, Leicester are the better team, they've, but they've they've tailed off a bit recently. Arsenal have been poor all season, but put together a, a small string of decent results. It's a tricky one to work out for the market, maybe. But what do the numbers suggest here? Where's the value, do you think? Yeah, it is a little bit tricky. Um, you know, we we speak about Arsenal pretty much every every week, and and pretty much every week the models opposing Arsenal, and and this week is no different. And I think that is because the like I said, the model is built on. Um, it's built on 30 game, 38 games uh, periods with weighted towards the most recent 10 or 15. So um, in terms of Arsenal's rating, it hasn't really shifted too much despite this mini upturn in form and, and obviously results. Um, but, you know, again, there isn't, I'm not going to get carried away too much. The the win at Wolves was a very good one. Um, I, you know, that the fact that they held Wolves to just around one expected goal is, is pretty impressive. And then obviously when they were one, they looked, the, that's when the game started opening up and they created more chances. Um, but while, you know, like I said, that, that that was a really, really impressive result from Arsenal. Um, the, the, how solid they were was was really impressive to me. I, I, I think Mikel Arteta's done a good job with the with the defence, getting them organised, um, getting them nice and um, and tight. And everyone really knows what their job is, which I think is credit to to Arteta. But the, uh, the two previous... Wins obviously against Norwich were is pretty much a gimme at the minute, um, and against Southampton they were given a, a massive helping hand by um, 
a shocking, a couple of shocking goalkeeping errors. So, um, you know, the two wins before were, uh, you know, the Norwich one, like I said, was a gimme. The win before that was uh, was given to them by Southampton. But the, the win against Wolves was, um, it was a result to make people sit up and take notice, if you like, um, of, of Arsenal and almost how far they've come. So um, it, is, it is interesting. They're a hard team to assess at the minute. Um, they're still, they, they look a, a lot more solid at the back um, in those three games since. But, you know, it really, you can't get too carried away. The two games prior to that, like you said, they lost against Brighton and, and Manchester City. Um, and all season long, they've been, pretty poor defensively so it'll be interesting to see if this good defensive run of form actually does continue for um, a few more games yet uh, I know you said that the top four uh, they are on 49 points Leicester uh, 58 Chelsea 57 so you, it's an eight point gap to Chelsea nine points to Leicester um, if, if Arsenal, obviously it's Arsenal win this game then um, six points to Leicester and all of a sudden you, you probably are uh, looking at Arsenal with a little bit um, of a different perspective, but I, I still think that the the teams above them are, are much better than them. I, I think they're too, going to prove too strong, and it probably will, will end up being a Europa League spot for Arsenal. So, uh, but even so, that that's a pretty good result for given where Arteta found them in the table and, and uh, as a team. So th- there are a lot of signs of improvement. This is me being very nice to Arsenal, by the way, um, and yeah, the, the only issue I do have with them coming into this game is that. Um, they they continue to have issues creating chances. Uh, defensively, it looks to have shored things up a little bit. So uh, the last four games, Brighton, Southampton, Norwich and Wolves, they, they've allowed just 0.7 expected goals against per game. Um, but they've only created more than 1.3 expected goals twice in the last uh, last five matches or since the restart. Uh, they've, they've, they have found creating chances difficult. They've averaged just one36 expected goals for per game since Arteta took charge in December. So going forward has been um, an issue. And obviously, you know, everyone everyone knows it. it's much more difficult to fix a team in attack than it is in defence. You know, you just look at the the managers that are brought in, the the firefighters, if you like, like your likes of Sam Allardyce, they come in, they shore things up at the back and, you know, they're keeping clean sheets all of a sudden. That that seems to have happened with Arsenal. Um, they Fortunately for Arsenal, they have the quality attacking players that can be very clinical uh, with the chances, like like your Aubameyangs. And obviously Saka's goal at the weekend was around a, an 8% chance and he, he buried that and all of a sudden the game looks completely different. So um, I think there's a little bit of positive variance in their favour uh, during this little mini run that, that, that they're currently on. Um, and whether that'll last or not, I'm not too sure. Based on expected goals, it probably won't. They will start to have to create more and better chances on a regular basis. But... Um, you know the, the the fact that they're looking more solid at the back is very promising moving forward. And you know, I think if they want to do anything over the next couple of years, Arsenal, that they're going to have to re- keep this defensive solidity and, and being hard to beat. So, um, very impressed with what I've seen, especially against, like I said, Wolves. That Wolves are a team that uh, in goal rates extremely highly. So, for Arsenal to go there and, and win the XG battle, albeit narrowly, um, and pick up the three points was. Um, yeah, that that was a that was a pretty decent result for Arsenal, a de- decent performance, and um, it gives them a little bit of hope and something to play for the remainder remainder of the season. Like you you said, top four there, they've still got a couple of tough games coming up. They've got to go to Tottenham, then they've got Liverpool uh, before playing both Villa and Watford, who are obviously 
fighting for survival. So um, if they are going to make Europe, they're going to do it the hard way by beating some of those teams. So um, yeah, it, they're, they're an interesting team to follow at the minute. Hard to put your finger on what you're going to get game in, game out. Um, but, you know, they're playing a Leicester team who looked back to their best at the weekend. Um, they created 2.8 expected goals to Palace's 0.76. Really impressive performance. Um, Jamie Vardy obviously got a couple of goals, his first few goals for a long while. So there are plenty of positives for Leicester to take away from that. And, um, you know, there are there are plenty of positives for Leicester coming into this game, despite the fact that they're on, uh, or prior to the win at the weekend, they were on a pretty poor form. Um yeah, although they've been they're winless away from home since New Year's Day are Leicester, but their underlying numbers during that period of time haven't been that bad. They've averaged 1.44 expected goals for per game or 1.28 expected goals against per game. So although they've not won since New Year's Day, they've actually posted a positive XG process, which is very promising. Um, and, you know, all season long, we've, we've spoken about Leicester's defensive process where they've been one of the better defensive teams in the league. They've averaged just 0.3 expected goals against per game. So... Um, they themselves are hard to break down. Um, and interestingly for Leicester, away from home, they're one of the league's best teams according to expected goals. So um, based on expected goal difference, they are the second best team away from home uh, behind only Manchester City, uh, which is really, really impressive. And um, yeah, they've, they've actually... They've been unfortunate not to pick up more points away from home. Um, the process at 1.98 expected goals for per game, uh, 1.33 against is is pretty remarkable, really. And, and I think that that sort of plays into the um, into the almost thought patterns that Leicester are probably best as, better as as a counter attacking team, and they can do that obviously more away from home. I think they'll have the opportunity to do that here. Um, they've got a good recent record against Arsenal. Have Leicester. Um, not so much at the Emirates, but um, I think they, they they beat them quite comfortably in the in the reverse fixture at the King Power. Yeah, 2-0 it was. And I think that, that Leicester look a little bit too big a price in this one. I think there's been a little bit of an overreaction to Arsenal's recent form um, and a little bit of an overreaction to Leicester's recent form. I don't think Leicester have been um, as, as bad as the, as the results have suggested. They were unfortunate to lose to Everton a couple of weeks back. Um, and, and prior to that, it was only a last gasp Watford uh, equaliser that stopped them getting three points in that game. So um, there are, you know, I don't think you can get too carried away with Leicester. They looked back to their best against Crystal Palace, albeit, like I said, it was Crystal Palace. But I think these prices are a little bit, um, are doing Leicester a bit of a disservice, really. I think I think that this should be, I mean, the, the model's got this flip-flops pretty much exactly. So we've got Leicester at 42% favourites, uh, Arsenal at 33% compared to the market, which I think is a 41% Arsenal. So um, we've got it flip-flopped. But I, I think that Leicester should be, um, at, le- at the very least, shorter than than around 3.1. So they're the bet in this one, just purely from a value perspective. Uh, they've been the better team of these two all season long by a, a long, long way, according to the expected goal processes of the team. Um, and I think that they've been... Um, yeah, I think the market is just overreacting too strongly to to what we've seen from Arsenal in the last few weeks. So Leicester to win is a huge value bet. Um, if you want to know something a little bit of a safer bet, you can go the double chance or, or the plus 0.5 Asian handicap, which is also um, value play. In terms of the goals, um, Obers is, is, is odds on at 54% um, on the market. The model goes 57, so we're expecting a, a fairly high scoring game and both teams to score is, is, is highly likely as well. 
with uh, the market and the model both on 59%. So an entertaining game, hopefully at the Emirates, um, in which uh, we think Leicester will come out on top. Yeah, it's quite interesting, isn't it? It's been the, the best part of kind of 30 games trying to raise awareness of how poor the, the Arsenal process have been. And then they, they go on a little run. They put together some some decent performances and, and things begin to change. But one thing will always remain, Jake, and that is that you, you believe there's value in opposing Arsenal or you, you call it as you see it. So I'm glad that we've got some consistency still. Yeah, for now, that is still the case. I mean, if, if they continue performing the way they have been, especially defensively, then Arsenal's rating will shift and it will improve. So... Um, but for the time being, Leicester are just uh, a much better team according to our XG numbers than, than Arsenal. So it is hard to get on side with Arsenal at those prices. And to be honest, even if they were a few ticks bigger at around 2.5, 2.6, I still wouldn't be going near them. Well, that is it for, for today's episode. Just the, the three games to cover, but we, we will be back soon with another episode to go over the next four fixtures. Um, some great insight as always, Jake. Thanks for coming on and, and helping our listeners find value in the markets for the upcoming fixtures. Anytime, Ben. Thank you. And thanks to everyone for listening. You can take a look at the numbers yourself and dig deeper into the data by visiting infogold.net, following at Infogold app on Twitter and downloading the app on iOS and Android. If you do want to bet once the games have kicked off, then I'd suggest downloading the Pinnacle Live Scores app so you can follow the action in play and set alerts so you can bet when the odds are right for you. Remember to follow us on at Pinnacle on Twitter, subscribe on your favourite podcast platform and give us a review and let us know what you think of the show. Best of luck with any bets and as always, please gamble responsibly. 